Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And maybe you're watching this video as you wait in a queue line to play Final Fantasy XIV Online's most recent expansion, Endwalker, or you're just interested in one of the more interesting stories that has happened this holiday season with Square Enix. As you can tell from the thumbnail, if you haven't seen the news, Square Enix has taken the very unusual step of effectively stopping all sales of this product due to its popularity. I've pulled up the response to congestion blog post that they put up yesterday night that says, hello, this is Naoki Yoshida, producer and director of Final Fantasy XIV. You might recognize that name more specifically by his nickname, Yoshi P. And he says, we apologize for the ongoing congestion that has been occurring since early access and the official launch of Endwalker. It's been one of the major stories about this release. Now we'll come back to this specific response because I think it is so interesting. And to be frank, I think it is a positive news story in this video game season. And I don't have enough of those to share with you in this space. So I'm looking forward to talking with you about why I think it is positive by looking at why I think Square Enix didn't have to do this. So I got a tweet yesterday afternoon from Ginger Prime. Got a question for the awesome Hoaglaw. He's trying to gild the lily already. When, if he has time to dive into it? I see commentators saying that they should sue Square Enix for the server queues for Final Fantasy XIV. I'm betting Square Enix is covered by their terms of service, but didn't know if you had any insight or interest in the topic. Now, Ginger Prime, at Del Monte B here, highly recommend as a follow if you're interested in Final Fantasy XIV or Endwalker. He's got a YouTube channel, Work to Game. I have been on there a couple of times. He asks questions about the business and law of video games, so I always appreciate that. But he covers Endwalker. He's talking about servers and Endwalker patch notes and the story so far, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're interested in these kinds of things, check it out. But of course, I've looked at the terms of service for Final Fantasy XIV online before. I'm going to talk to you about them right now. But he also had some examples of people that are in line getting more and more upset now for two weeks on. Here's one from a post that he said, I've got a three-hour queue time on the lowest population server on my data center. They have sold more than they can provide, Square Enix. This should seriously end up with a class action lawsuit, something I'm not sure is a bad thing as the more time goes on without resolution. So there are people sitting in these lines watching this video, obviously. That's what you do when you're in an Endwalker line and saying, well, maybe we should sue them because it's taking so long to get into the game. And there's also another kind of complicating factor, which is there's an error code that keeps popping up that people have DM'd me. If the line gets too long or if the wait gets too long and it ruins everything in terms of even staying in the queue. So Square Enix has a problem here, but as you can expect, if you've ever been in virtual legality before, if you've looked at terms of service contractually in their license agreement here, they are of course protected with some pretty strong language. Now, some of you will come in and say, well, the end user license agreement doesn't trump the law. And all that is true. We're going to look at the United States version of this, the English language version of this. And what I'm going to talk to you about might differ in differing jurisdictions. You might have a stronger claim in the Australia's or European unions of the world. But here in the United States, your assumption should be 
that your end user license agreement, your terms of service will be deemed valid, will control your experience with that other company. Because even though courts can sometimes say a section is void for public policy or we find it inequitable, that is effectively an extra step that those courts have to do. The baseline rule is that these kinds of contracts, even if you don't read them, even if you click through them as fast as possible, will still bind your relationship with the company that sold you the game, or in this case, the game and service. And we can scroll down. They talk about what you'd expect. Here's how billing cycles work. Here's how we get money from you. Here's what it means. You're going to get a license to play this game, et cetera, et cetera. And then some people pointed me to this section five as an issue or that something that Square Enix has reserved the right to do in terms of these long queue times. And I don't actually think that is in fact the case. This section is slightly different. I'll talk to you about why. It says, from time to time, in order to provide our customers with the optimal gaming experience, it is necessary for Square Enix to conduct routine maintenance on the computers and or servers that support the game. So the very first sentence is kind of framing out what this section is about. And it's about those maintenance windows. It's about that warning you get that says the realm is coming down in 30 minutes, or we're going to look at this at 3 a.m. Eastern on your server, whatever it might be. It's the specified times when we're going to fix some things up. We're going to patch some things. That's what this section is about. They say, hey, you should know we don't have 100% uptime on this service, and we're not promising you that. And we're going to describe exactly what we mean by that here in section five. During these times, those maintenance periods, Access to the game or support services may be interrupted. So that's the first section of this clause. The next one, access may also be temporarily suspended in whole or in part without notice due to what we would call force majeure events, emergency repairs, fire, flood, explosion, war, strike, embargo, governmental action, or failure to act, the act of any civil or military authority, act of God, or by any other causes beyond Square Enix's control. Most force majeure provisions, by the way, since about March of 2020 include pandemic epidemic and government responses there too. I make sure those are in my contracts. But as you can also see, this contract is from December 2019. This is what is formally up on their website as the rules and policies for Final Fantasy 14. If there is an update to this and they haven't updated their website, chances are the language is going to be very similar. Uh, but this is what we have to look at in a public facing capacity. So that's what we're going to analyze here. And you don't see references to pandemics or epidemics probably either will get added or has already been added to the section like this. Or Square Enix notes, any other reasons that they can determine in their sole discretion where they deem a temporary suspension is necessary. So it can be force majeure, it can be an act of God, an asteroid could hit their server center, or they have this umbrella terminology that says, if we, for some reason that we can't identify here, we can't predict the future, need to take down the servers, we can take down the servers. And then finally, you, the player, acknowledge that disruptions of service may occur and you wave, you get rid of, you pass on any causes of action against us in any way arising from or related to any such disruptions of service. Now, this all kind of relates to maintenance, temporary takedowns. It's not the function of the service itself that isn't getting you into the game. Those queue lines are by design. They aren't working properly for people that actually want to play Final Fantasy XIV, but everything is working properly from a technical level until we get into the bug that we'll see referenced in the response document from Square Enix and Yoshi P. This section, though, isn't really talking about queue times or an inability to get into the game. It's talking about those takedowns of the service entirely. So I don't think it's the proper place to point to for Square Enix being allowed to do this and not violating any provisions or laws or otherwise. Now, the other aspect of this that I think it's important to note, you saw reference in the note that Ginger Prime sent me. Some people are talking about a class action, talking about a lawsuit. 
they do, Square Enix does, have a provision in here that effectively forces players into arbitration. Again, under the United States law, and again, only in certain jurisdictions in all likelihood, certain states in the United States have a problem with these kinds of things in what we call contracts of adhesion, contracts that aren't negotiated. You click through either yes or no, but this says this will count as a written agreement to arbitrate. You agree to try to resolve it first. We'll have a phone call. We'll have some emails. We'll try to mediate this whole thing, and then you'll arbitrate it, which means you won't go to court. It'll be an arbitration, except that if it needs injunctive relief, if we need a court to actually force you to do something, we can go to court, says Square Enix. And importantly for this, notwithstanding the foregoing, either of us may bring qualifying claims of disputes in small claims court, which is going to vary again by jurisdiction, but is in general a court that covers things that are below a certain amount of damages. One of the questions I raised in that Twitter thread, which you can check out, and everybody should always ask themselves when they're talking about potential legal action is, what are the damages? What are we talking about? If you purchased Endwalker and you can't play it right now, but you can play it next month, let's let's hope that that's in fact the case for everybody. What are your actual damages? Is it 15 bucks? Is it 12 bucks? You still have access to the overall assets and expansion when this period gets over with. What are you going to tell the court you are owed in terms of redress? Because that's the issue number one that you have to bring before a court or even an arbitrator is how was I harmed? What amount was it? And what would I ask for Square Enix to give me? You want your money back for the whole product? Maybe you can get that. But we're still talking about relatively small amounts, which very often makes it difficult to justify going through a legal action, whether that is an arbitration or small claims court. Now, small claims court is designed to be easier, designed to take fewer lawyer dollars to go and get your request either granted or denied, but it's still a process and you still have to really want to do it. 10.7 is a bigger problem for what we were just talking about. Disputes will be arbitrated only on an individual basis and will not be consolidated with any other arbitration or other proceeding that involves any claim or controversy of any other party. You see it referenced here in headline terms, no class actions. We want to do this individually. We want to do it through arbitration. Now, you might also have seen, maybe even in virtual legality, that doing this in California and making it so that individual arbitrations are required can get these companies into trouble in very specific ways in terms of having to pay for the arbitrator and the fees associated with that arbitration. So you might be thinking in that direction. But again, you'd still have to get everybody on board for what is hopefully a temporary situation. So even if this kind of matures into a more long-form situation, you might have that avenue available to you. I think it is still a little bit early. It's not quite ripe, we might hear a court say, to bring these kinds of actions against Square Enix right now, certainly on a class basis, even though you might want to try to do it. Now, note there's the rest of this section here in 10.7 that says, well, if for any reason a court with competent jurisdiction or an arbitrator holds this restriction unconscionable or unenforceable, because Square Enix knows that especially in the United States, certain jurisdictions don't love this stuff, then our agreement to arbitrate won't apply and we'll just go to 10.8, which says everybody has to sue us in federal or state court in Los Angeles County, California. And so you'd have to actually go and make the effort to make that lawsuit happen in what I suspect is their home jurisdiction for purposes of this, or very least the home jurisdiction of the lawyers they'd like to use. So that's the arbitration class action side of things. But here's the language that basically every software provider has, especially video games that you or I might not like, you might not even know is in these contracts, but they are very standard. It's one of the reasons I try to highlight them in this space. And it says to the maximum extent permitted by law, Square Enix and or its affiliates have no liability to you whatsoever. The first sentence talking about liability that they put in their terms of service for you, the player of Final Fantasy 14, is just so we're clear, 
Nothing we could have sold you, nothing we could have done shall have any liability whatsoever. Now they put that in as a blanket statement. Courts aren't necessarily going to say, okay, you have no liability. What if your game lit their computers on fire? You do have a products liability issue. Do you have something else that we can bring against you? This is trying to save them from all potential liability, but then you have a lot of rest of the language here because they know that this might not hold. Now, they do set a liability cap, which might well hold, that says under no circumstances will Square Enix be liable to you for more than a replacement copy of the game, which shall be your sole and exclusive remedy. So you can see lawyers writing these things, and this isn't unusual. This isn't just slamming Square Enix. This is how you write a section like this. It says, we aren't liable to you, but if we are, we're not going to be liable to you for more than the cost of a game. Now, interestingly, this probably isn't the right kind of approach to a section like this for a game that's online. This makes a lot more sense for, hey, I'm selling you Final Fantasy VII Remake, and if there's an issue, I owe you a refund for Final Fantasy VII Remake. Here you have an ongoing service. This probably should be, under no circumstances, will we be liable to you for more than X amount of dollars that you've paid us for the last six months or 12 months or something like that because it's an ongoing kind of relationship with this company. But it doesn't say that. They say we owe you the cost of the expansion essentially right now. And worse, if you're trying to bring a claim against them, is the disclaimer of warranties on the whole. They say, aside from the express warranty provided with the software, to the maximum extent permitted by law, Square Enix expressly disclaims any and all warranties, express or implied. Which means, except for what you see in these terms of service, none of which really apply to what we're talking about here, we are making no promises about how your product works at all. Square Enix is making the game available as is, without any further warranties of any kind. You assume the risk of any and all damage or loss from use, or, and this is important, inability to use the game. Square Enix does not warrant that the game will meet your requirements or that the operation of the game will be, again important, uninterrupted or error-free. So Square has done all that any given video game company does in these terms of service saying, we're not liable to you. If we are, it's now more than the cost of the game. And by the way, when we're talking about what we promise about this game, we're selling it to you as is, doesn't even have to work, doesn't have to be error-free. And hey, if it's not available to you, we don't owe you for that loss either. That's all standard. That's the lawyers doing their jobs. You don't have to like it. Heck, I don't like it. That's one of the reasons I highlight these things in virtual legality. But it is the state of play if you can't get a court to rule some of this unconscionable or void for public policy or anything like that, which again is a hurdle above just reading the contract terminology. Now, another lawyer entered the thread with uh, Ginger Prime that I was discussing yesterday uh, named Dallas Done With Endwalker. Unclear whether that means he's completed Endwalker or whether he is just done with it for all of this queuing issue. He says, as a lawyer, I have to say you can sue anyone for anything. And I think, first of all, that's a great first foundational principle to understand. It's one of the things I talk to my clients all the time about. They say, can I be sued for this? Absolutely. I don't care what your opening paragraph was. I don't care if you said anything else before you asked me whether you can be sued for this. Anybody, especially in the United States, can be sued for anything. The question is, will it get kicked out fast? Will somebody be liable? Can you win? Because you can sue and then Square points to its terms of service and says, no, you can't. You can't sue. Court, kick this out. We have to arbitrate this if we do anything at all. And the court is in all likelihood going to kick it out when they see that terminology in most jurisdictions. But yes, you can sue, but it has to make sense. He says he wants to look at the specific language of the contract. We just looked at the terms of service, at least as of 2019. They're projecting to the world that that's their current terms of service. Might well be, but could otherwise be updated. And this particular Twitter user says, you might be able to make a case for what we call unjust enrichment, which is either within a contract or outside a contract. The concept 
that one party has given something of benefit to the other party and the other party didn't otherwise give what they had said they would back to the first party. In this case, it would be you gave them money for Endwalker, you've given them money for your subscription, and that's all understood to mean that they will give you access to the Endwalker product on their server so that you can play Final Fantasy XIV, which is apparently great. And that's not happening here. The difficulty is, as he says, uh, unjust enrichment is an equitable remedy that disgorges money that was obtained in a way that the law deems unfair. And as we've talked about in virtual legality, equitable remedies live in the minds of judges. We can't read their minds for this kind of stuff. What is fair? What is reasonable? What is just? What is unjust? Doesn't mean you couldn't win a claim on that, but it might be for $15. It might be for $45. If you got a collector's edition, it might be for more. But it's limited in size, it's limited in scope, and there is 100% no guarantee that you can actually win on an argument that way, which is why he finishes off with, it must be noted the amount of said claim would be too low. I'd say it's likely too low to make economically feasible though. So you could potentially have an equitable claim against Square Enix that comes outside the contract. A lot of courts are going to say, if you've got a contract, we're not going to go into equity. And here Square says, we're only giving it to you as is. But This particular individual who I keep calling he, I don't know their particular individuality here, says there could be a claim and I don't disagree, but it's very unlikely to be brought by anyone and very difficult to win because of that equitable nature. So with that as background, I'm saying to you, Square Enix could probably cover itself in this given situation. Yep, it's a three hour queue. Yes, we've got bugs. It's all a bad situation. We don't have to do anything in all likelihood in order to comply with the laws. We've said what we need to say in our terms of service. And yet, as of last night, we still have a very remarkable announcement, especially going into the holiday season. And what we know of a game that was already delayed hit this window and now is going to be pulled from shelves. So, So let's read it. And that's why I find it positive. Square Enix didn't have to do this. Now, we can talk about the real politic of the situation and how bad it looks for business and whether or not that was harming it and, and why this makes sense. Businesses, including Square Enix, don't do anything that doesn't hopefully increase their goodwill and increase their brand name and whatever else it might be. But it's still something that we don't necessarily see from every industry participant. It says, it's been nearly two weeks since the start of early access and players are still experiencing substantial congestion when logging into the game. So we're going to do a couple of things. Additional game time compensation. We are aware that the long waiting times to log into the game are preventing players from playing. And for this, we sincerely apologize. In response to this, we recently granted seven days of game time, but now we will also be granting an additional 14 days. And I assume that this means that whatever your account subscription is for, they had given you seven days to compensate you for the fact that it's not very easy to get into Endwalker for this seven days. And they're going to give you another seven. And hopefully things will ease up so that you can play the game that you've paid for and that you'd really like to play this holiday season. This will apply to all players, including those with multiple accounts, who own the full version of the game and have an active subscription as of Tuesday, December 21st. So, hey, I'm getting that apparently. I don't have Endwalker, uh, but I'll be getting that as well. And it's interesting here that they didn't set this behind the announcement. You'll see a number of companies set this kind of concept. We're giving you more free stuff. It'll be the day before we made this because we don't want to incentivize people necessarily, especially when congestion is the issue to hop on and get new subscriptions just to get that extra seven days. I don't think that's going to drive things. So that's probably why they feel comfortable with it. And this December 21st date, we'll see in a couple of other places that seems of significance to them on the whole. Then we get suspending delivery of package versions and temporary suspension of digital version sales. Players are currently experiencing extremely long wait times due to the dense concentration of play hours, 
which far exceed our server capacity, especially during the peak times. And so we have decided to temporarily suspend the sale and delivery of Final Fantasy XIV Starter Edition and Complete Edition. Additionally, although those with an active subscription are prioritized to log in over free players, free trial players are unable to log in outside of late night and early morning hours. And so we will also temporarily suspend new registrations for the free trial. So what he's saying here is we've already prioritized people that are paying us. That's kind of part of the deal. But even then, the free trial is kind of illusory because those people can't get on ever. So we aren't, we're not going to allow them to register and have a bad experience. Which again, we're talking about goodwill and customer service on the experiential level because we don't want them to have that as their first taste of Final Fantasy XIV. But they've decided to suspend their physical deliveries. These temporary suspensions will be phased in over the next few days as we work with our retail partners. Some of you might recall when we were dealing with a situation that in my opinion was far worse because it wasn't because the product was so popular necessarily in CD Projekt Red Cyberpunk 2077 last December, maybe it's just a December thing, one of the things that they did wrong was that they offered refunds from Microsoft and Sony apparently without ever talking to them. And this resulted in Sony pulling them from their PlayStation Network store for six full months because Sony was, by all outward appearances, pissed. Again, legal term of art with that one. So this is exactly how you need to handle these kinds of concepts. We don't want to sell anything anymore. We need to talk to the GameStops and the Best Buys of the world. We need to talk to the networks at PlayStation and Microsoft and otherwise have a conversation. I don't know that Final Fantasy XIV is on Microsoft. If I'm wrong about that, I apologize. But either way, we need to converse with the folks that are selling our game in these various stores. We will be coordinating with them as swiftly as possible, but please bear in mind that this will be a gradual process. We will also be suspending all new advertisements. However, it will not be possible to suspend some of the advertisements due to the nature of how they were set up. We appreciate your patience and understanding regarding this matter. This is no small thing. A game comes out from a publisher like Square Enix with thousands of advertisements. You see a billboard here, you see a truck here, you see it everywhere. You might have seen it on YouTube. You might have seen it before this video as a trailer that was purchased to try to sell you Endwalker. And they're going to try to suspend those. It's going to take a little while because they're all under contract. And this is a significant, essentially wasted cost expense. Some of these advertisers can say, all right, well, we won't run them, but you still paid them for us. And that's going to be okay with Square Enix because they don't want people to come in and hurt the process for those that already purchased or otherwise have a bad experience themselves. This is what we want from companies. We want them to say, wow, this is bad customer service. I don't care what's in our terms of service. I don't care what our lawyers say we can do. This is going to hurt our bottom line long-term. This is going to hurt our goodwill. And God knows if any product knows this, it's Final Fantasy XIV famously launching in a state that players didn't like. So much so that when A Realm Reborn came out, it was such an exciting event for players of Final Fantasy as a series that what did Square Enix do? Well, they had to stop sales of the game. Here from August of 2013, we would like to thank you for your continued support of Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn to ensure that we maintain a quality level of service for everyone. We've been setting restrictions on both the creation of characters as well as adjusting the number of users that can log in. And until this operation is complete, we would like to prioritize the quality of service for those who have already purchased the game. Therefore, we are temporarily suspending the sale of the digital download versions of Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn. Now, what's important to note here is that's 
basically all they say they're doing in August of 2013. This is a massively more significant issue for them based on their response. They're not just suspending digital. They're suspending physical. They're trying to get ads down off of YouTube, off of billboards, off of buildings, wherever they might appear, because right now they don't have the capacity to service the audience that wants to play. They're all but admitting that here. They're certainly apologizing for this congestion and the situation that players are in. And they're saying, we have to stop selling this, not just for legal reasons. In fact, I don't think they have to stop selling it for legal reasons, but because it makes us look bad and we've been down this road before. It is a remarkable state of affairs. Now, they do note that you can still buy expansion packs and collector's edition digital upgrades. So they're prioritizing people that were already in the ecosystem, that you have one or more expansions, the starter kit. You've already been playing Final Fantasy XIV. Maybe you've lapsed. That would be like me. I only ever get so far in Final Fantasy XIV. I always enjoy it as an experience. Folks like Ginger Prime try to get me to play it more. I'll try to jump in when it's open again for the rest of us, but I could buy Endwalker and then never play it because I'm thousands of hours away from that content. But I could do it if I wanted. And so they're they're setting up a kind of hierarchy here, which I think makes total sense for what they want to do. But this is significantly more expansive of a move than happened even when they relaunched the game in the first place. Now you could ask yourselves why. I think a lot of people believe, and I, I tend to agree, that this is a result of the somewhat implosion of Blizzard and their World of Warcraft product. We've seen that really throughout the year in Final Fantasy XIV gaining steam as the World of Warcraft loses it. This is the first expansion realistically since that all happened. And Square Enix just doesn't have the server power to handle this. They'll talk about that as well. We also get this Error 2002 bug that I told you we'd mention. It says, in regards to Error 2002, we confirmed it's a bug. This bug was part of a login-related program created back in Final Fantasy XIV version 1.0. That's a long time for a bug to survive, but apparently Final Fantasy XIV hasn't gotten into this situation where they've had these long lines and this thing has triggered since the original launch of the game. That tells you what kind of congestion they're dealing with right now. Although the code for fixing the bug is already prepared, applying the fix will require patching the game client, which will be addressed in patch 6.01, Scheduled for Tuesday, December 21st. That's that date again. That's where if you have a copy of this thing, you're going to get an extra seven days. As this issue occurs while waiting in the queue for a very long time, we considered releasing the patch ahead of schedule, but in the end, decided to include it in our patch 6.01 as there is already a lot of new code in the pipeline for the patch and interrupting the process of verifying them may lead to other bugs. That's the kind of pro-con wait decision that you have when you're doing one of these kinds of things. They don't want it to go through another verification process. And yes, you can definitely trip new bugs if you don't handle it the way you've otherwise been handling things. I could certainly understand folks getting upset with this part, but I think at least this language suggests that they did try to weigh the consequences and decided on this after weighing those consequences. In upcoming patch schedule, they want to assure people, folks who are worried that there's a significant patch coming in early January. They say regarding this, as long as there are no major issues, we plan to release the patches scheduled. We understand that there are concerns about world first races and first week progression during that period of time, right? There's a certain cachet in doing something first in an online experience and nobody knows when whole teams or otherwise just you individually will be able to get into this game when that patch drops. But they say the patch is important enough. It will add a number of new elements such as the addition of a new Allegan tombstone. Sounds important. New crafting recipes as well as the new treasure hunt dungeon the Excitatron 6000, to which I had to highlight that and say, never change Final Fantasy. It's one of my favorite series on earth. I just haven't been able to get too far on Final Fantasy 14. In addition, they say, look, 
We've been trying to add servers. One of the complaints you might have about all this is we should have been ready for this. But one, nobody could have been ready for World of Warcraft to just start shedding users all over the place. And two, as you'll hear on Twitter or social media, whenever anybody complains about anything, you know, there's a pandemic. They say, we've been working towards building a new logical data center and adding new worlds. However, due to the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, we have not been able to make any additions due to suspension of semiconductor production at manufacturing factories, decrease in production quantities, and shortage of raw materials. And I don't know how legitimate that is. I can tell you that a lot of companies, including some of my clients, are dealing with issues that sound a whole lot like this. So they haven't been able to get their servers changed as they have wanted to. And in fact, you see July, 2021, that's when the great shift was happening over this last summer. That's when they knew they needed more power, but it's a little late in the day when, hey, you can't find a PlayStation 5, you can't find an Xbox Series X. Everybody is fighting over this limited production capacity and these resources. They say, look, our servers are difficult to make. They need a lot of requirements in order to run this game and we just can't them get, get them up in time. Now they do say in line with this, the server and infrastructure teams are working together to plan for new additions. And we hope to be able to provide some sort of roadmap by the end of January, 2022, which I think is probably gonna be disappointing for some folks who might've hoped for some increase in this capacity by at least then. Square hopes to get a roadmap out to you by January, 2022. One hopes that it is more in existence than the roadmap they had planned for me and Final Fantasy 16. Still love you, Square Enix, but you promised me something in 2021 and I, I can't help but think you're lying now on December 16th. Finishing off, they say, hey, there were folks that were saying all of this is related to the fact we can't get our payments in through the system. Square says, nah, we found that the accounts involved are being accessed from the same environment as those that are used by a group of people who are believed to be providing suspicious services. Their answer to their people here is, no, no, those are gold sellers. Those are, those are folks that otherwise have done things we're deliberately blocking. So don't put that in with 2002. Don't put that in with Q times. We'll try to get more servers. We're sorry it's taking so long, but it's 2019. There is, in fact, a pandemic on, which, as I said, I think reflects a very positive story. A game company that looks at this and says, we can't give you the customer experience we want to give you if we continue going this route even though we've committed funds to advertising, even though we've committed funds to shipping those physical games wherever they might be shipped, which as we know in 2021 is a difficult proposition in and of itself. So now we look at Square Enix and say, okay, we can understand. No, I don't think they're going to get sued. No, I don't think you're going to bring an equitable claim. No, I don't think you're going to bring a class action. No, I don't think Square Enix was under threat of those things when they made this announcement. And yet, 10 days before Christmas, Square Enix said, let's pull all our ads. Let's not sell this anymore. Let's try to service the people that are currently in the game. And let's try to get more servers sometime in 2022. If you got this far, if you enjoy the value we provide in virtual legality, talking about the business and law and structure of pop culture, like video games, like Final Fantasy and more, please consider supporting the channel. We are Patreon supported. We otherwise have ways to support the channel listed below. Otherwise, if you just subscribe, tell your friends, tell them while they're waiting in their queue that this is just a great video to pass the time by. Melt that time away with virtual legality. Every little bit helps. Now, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, 
please consult your own legal counsel.